Welcome to the Minnesotan Hockey Podcast. If you haven't already, do yourself a favor and check out the Minnesotan. You can visit their flagship store in historic downtown White Bear Lake or on the web at theminnesotan.com. On today's show, we sit down with Katie Million, the Director of Women's National Programs for USA Hockey. Katie will share her experience growing up in New York and working in Lake Placid for 17 years, as well as her uh time with the uh, Western Collegiate Hockey Association on the women's side and now her job with the with USA Hockey should be a really entertaining show I hope you enjoy it love is a burning thing and it makes a fiery ring Bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire Well, good afternoon, Katie. How are you doing today? I'm great, Tony. Thanks so much for having me. Well, it's funny that we are talking, you work for USA Hockey, but you live here in the Twin Cities, so I can't ask you how the weather is in the springs. It's actually, I know exactly what the weather is like here in the Twin Cities, and how have you been dealing with the uh, weird weather here in the Twin Cities lately? You know, um, I know we'll get into it a little bit, but I spent 17 years in Lake Placid, so the weather here in Minnesota is like tropical for me. Yeah, I can imagine it is. I mean, you're up in the mountains, and the the, the weather in the mountains is completely un- unpredictable at all times, isn't it? Absolutely. And to be honest with you, um, I, I obviously keep track of what's going on back in Lake Placid and still have a home and, and friends and stuff there, but... Uh, they um, this week are still getting snow. So I, I again, I just feel uh, like I'm in a, a, a tropical zone here uh, compared to <laughs> being in Lake Placid in the mountains. <laughs> That's crazy. So you worked after college. You worked for 17 years for what's the name of it again? It's the Olympic Rec- something Development Association, <laughs> right? Sorry. Yeah, no, it's, it's a long, long, it's a long title. It is. It's the um, I work for the Olympic Regional Development Authority, um, and we always called it ORDA for short. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, so ORDA is the organization that manages and runs all the venues left from the 1980 Olympic Games. So not only do they um, maintain those venues and, and keep them active, but we also uh, had competitions regularly, World Cups, World Championships. Um, national and you know youth uh, recreational events at all of those venues uh, to keep it active and, and keep it going. So, what was the purpose of keeping it going? It was it was it tourism? Was it the United States Olympic Committee wanted to have a have a place kind of like they have in Calgary where where they could come and train? What was the actual purpose of of keeping Lake Placid so fluid? Yeah, a little little bit of both of those, um, Tony. Like. Obviously, uh, Lake Placid is a, is a tourist town, and so um, it's, it's an economic engine for the whole North Country of, of uh, New York. So that was certainly part of it, but also to, you know, a lot of money, as you know, and incredible amounts now goes into hosting an Olympic Games. Right. And so being able to utilize those venues after the games are over is certainly super important and needs to be part of the sustainability plan these days. Right. But back then, you know, it was like, oh, well, you know, we have all these venues. Let's 
let's keep them active. And then, you know, uh, eventually it became a U.S. Olympic, now U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee um, site and built a training center there so that um, our, our, you know, Winter Olympic athletes had had a place to call home and train and have venues that they could uh, be at and and train at on on a daily basis. So having the the training center there in Lake Placid um, for for athletes to live and and um, and have their meals and and all that and have sports medicine all that right there in in such a great little community is has been you know just enormous for. For not only the development um, of of all those sports, but also for Lake Placid. What is, uh, of the buildings that they used for ice hockey, keeping it to just hockey? What is yeah. still there in Lake Placid? <laughs> it's it's all still there. Really, um, they didn't knock anything down and refurbish, or do they keep no. them both, or what is it? Yeah. So interestingly enough, though, right now. Um, Lake Placid is uh, going through a little bit of a, uh, I won't say restructuring, but rehab, if you will. So a lot of the venues are being um, uh, updated Mm -hmm. and a lot of money has been put towards those updates um, in preparation for, I think it's the 2023 World University Games Lake Placid will be hosting. Okay. So they're they're definitely going through a a lot of uh, changes right now and upgrades. Um, however, the 1980 rink, the USA rink, and the 1932 rink all are pretty much still the same. Really? Um, yeah. Even when I was there, like, um, in the 1980 rink, obviously, it's, you know, it's Mecca, right? Right. It's, it's like no one wants to see it change because that was the place, right? Where it happened. Where it happened. And uh, so, like you know, to keep up with the times and, and events, you know, there was a lot of talk about the scoreboard because it was the original scoreboard from 1980. No one wanted to change that. Yeah. Like, you know, we can't have like a new video board, but to keep up with the times and to continue having events, that scoreboard needed to change. And it was just such a, such a funny thing to have to like, like, you know, convince people that this was the right thing to do, even though that history is there. And, you know, to be honest with you, even the guys from the 80 team will tell you, like, nothing will ever change what happened there. You know, the right. seats can change, the boards can change, the glass can change, the scoreboard can change. But what happened there will never change. That's a good that's a good line. Um, <laughs> so uh, one more line. I was watching a a, a, a a documentary and Slava Fetisov had returned. To, it was he returned to Lake Placid. And I thought it was kind of a staged thing. Like they took him to some crappy old locker room. No, it was the real deal, right? It was the real deal. Yeah, that documentary is called Red Army, and I know exactly what the scene you're talking about. <laughs> I with my jaw dropped. I'm like, no, this. They must have taken this to a different place. Like this couldn't be where it is today, and it is. So to be honest with you, um, yeah. Uh, so all the locker rooms, everything had remained the same until the last couple of years. They've gone through now and updated all the locker rooms, including. Locker room number five, which was the the U.S. team locker room. Yeah, um, that one was the last to get updated. But yeah, they finally uh, finally went through and and uh, updated that. And I I can tell you, I 
been in that locker room a lot and um it it needed to be updated it was disgusting it was kind of fasting <laughs> well we'll get back to lake placid in just a minute we yeah. got to speed through your career here um so you worked 17 years there and is the, your next step the wcha Yes. And then so, how did you get to the uh, – ho- I can see with women's hockey, you're, you're involved with both men's and women's hockey at Lake Placid, but wh- what was the next step to becoming the commissioner of the WCHA like that? Yeah, so I obviously um, – uh, in Lake Placid, I work a lot of different sports, and, uh, you know, all the winter NGBs had skiing, bobsled, figure skating, cur- you know, you name it, was involved in it. Um, obviously, hockey was one of, uh, one of the favorites. Um, got involved in a lot of the hockey events that went on in Lake Placid and uh, made, you know, numerous contacts over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, then uh, in 2016, or sh- maybe even at the conclusion of 2015, I got a, a few phone calls that the WCHA was, was looking for a new commissioner. And I'm like, I, and the, I should apply. And I'm like, I I don't even know what a commissioner does. What are you, <laughs> what are you guys talking about here? You know, so uh, actually uh, got a got a hold of the job description and and took a look at it and I was like, wow, you know, my background really does match up nicely with this. And how cool would it be to just focus on one sport instead of fifteen? Right. And uh, you know, so uh, went through the process and um, yeah. Uh, got the job, moved here to Minnesota and, uh, and have, have been loving it. And, uh, you know, absolutely love my uh, position with the WCHA and, and being the commissioner of, uh, you know, what was eight amazing schools, but now is seven and, uh, just representing and advocating for those, uh, collegiate athletes. So that, that was awesome. And then, uh, yeah, then USA hockey's, started knocking at my door too when this position came open and and this position was not there was someone managing both men's and women's at the same time is that how it was oh, working nope there was there they did a little bit of restructuring so the title may have changed but there there was uh, a woman in the position before who uh who had left uh, she'd she'd won her gold medal and was uh you know happy to move on to uh other pastures and right. um so yeah, the uh, the uh, position became vacant, and they were they were looking for for someone to to jump into it. And uh, you know, after going through this that process, um, again, I absolutely loved and adored my position with the WCHA. Um, but came down to you know, um, if I didn't give this a shot and represent the United States and and these incredible women would I be able to live with myself? And the answer was no, I, I had to give this a shot. So, no, this uh, is a, this is like your life coming full circle. If you grew up watching the 80 Olympic men's team, as you will get to it in a little bit and we'll, we'll yeah. d- dive deeper there. Right. And now you're going to manage the process. I mean, we're talking the U 18s, the U 20s and the, yep. and the Olympic team itself. What a dream come true. Yeah, it you know it really does come full circle, Tony. Um, and and I know we shared this this little story before, but as as a a little kid watching the Olympics and keeping track of everybody who won medals and cutting out clippings from newspapers and just uh, you know like to be part of that Olympic movement now is is really kind of surreal, and I I still pinch myself. 
I talked to your coworker Dave Fisher last week, and he says the Olympics never get old. It's just the it's the pinnacle, and and he goes that is one of the greatest parts of his job. I can only imagine, you know, he's just on a communication side of it. You're going to be on the you're going to be in the roll up the sleeves, pick the team, not necessarily pick team, but be involved with the entire process as it goes forward to to Beijing. Yeah, it's it's um it's pretty surreal. I mean, I you know, again, being involved in, in the whole movement is, is amazing and awesome and, and really a dream come true. And, you know, we're already starting to do a lot of the planning for, for Beijing, you know, um, we have a call next week with the USOPC and, and, you know, really just starting to really dive into all the details that go into bringing a team to the Olympics and, and what it all means. So again, you know, I, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm learning a lot every day. Um, every day has been different other than here in quarantine, but right. uh, <laughs> it's been pretty cool. Yeah. Does, does it scare you, this COVID thing scare you that it could get canceled? I mean, cause the one has already been moved back a year. It's kind of got, well, you got to be a little fidgety, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, there's so many unknowns right now and, and uh, you know, to be honest with you, I've been on the phone this morning with our, our team doctor, just kind of talking about all the different things and changes. And, you know, we have a, we have an evaluation camp scheduled for August and we're moving forward like it's happening and, you know, planning for it, but we, we just don't know, you know, there's, it, it, it could get canceled. We could not be playing hockey till January of 2021 or, you know, yeah. I, I hope that's not the case, but, yeah, I think, you know, the, my, my, uh, whole outlook is just to, to stay really positive and hopeful and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be flexible and we'll put new protocols in place and try to keep everyone as safe as possible. But yeah, it's a, it's a scary time for sure. Um, so it was so funny when we got on the call before we hit the record button, I asked you if you were, had moved, cause I knew you lived here in Minneapolis with yep. the WCHA. I'm like, Oh, do you live in Colorado Springs now? And you, your answer was no, 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 no. I'm, I'm here. I'm like, and it, it's a great segue into what I really want to talk about is, is how great, women girls and women's hockey in minnesota as you're sitting right in the cabbage patch right now oh it's it's awesome and and that's why when um when i i did take the job you know my my bosses were like well just stay in minnesota it's i mean there's a lot more women's hockey happening there than in colorado springs and i'm like okay you sold me uh <laughs> and the beauty is you get to visit the springs for meetings every once in a while it's a really pretty part of the country that's for sure Absolutely. No, it worked out great. And uh, you're right. Like the, the hockey here for, for girls and, and women is just, it's unbelievable. It's, uh, you know, I came from New York, um, grew up in an area that was, it was when, when I grew up, it wasn't a hockey hotbed, but certainly is a little bit now. And Lake Placid, a, a hockey hotbed. Um, in, in other parts of the country, I see like, you know, pockets of hockey. Right. But in Minnesota, it's the entire state. It's crazy. It's a culture. Like, it's unbelievable. It's so cool. Well, some of my non-hockey friends take the ultra off of it and just call it a cult. <laughs> 
you know, it kind of is. It kind of is. And I don't mind. I don't mind. If that's what you call us, we're drinking the Kool-Aid. That's what we're doing. But there's a lot of good that comes out of the game. What are some of the things you, when you go to a rink in Minnesota and see girls playing or, or high school girls playing? Or what are your first thoughts of, of how do they do it and how could we do it like this in the rest of the country? Yeah, that's a really good question. And, and I want to go back to your statement before um, about the cult. Um, if, if that's the cult, that's the one I want to be in. Right. <laughs> Amen. It's awesome. But, uh, to answer your question, I think, you know, here in Minnesota, again, it's just part of the culture and part of how you grow up and, and, you know, little girls get to see it and be it and get on the ice. And I think, I think that's where the rest of the country can go is just the exposure and more opportunities and, you know, more learn to play and ADM and, and getting kids involved in the sport. Once, once you get them in it, it's pretty rare that they don't like it and don't want to continue. Um, and it's, it's just, you know, again, I think girls um, hockey is certainly on the uprise and, and will continue. And, and hopefully with the success of our older um, women and girls and, and what's happening in college and, and certainly and on our Olympic team and, you know, all that success is just going to breed more and more hockey players, hopefully. So one of the questions that I pre-sent to you is about the growth of college, Division One and Division Three. I'm not really privy to one or the other. Is the growth of women's hockey at the college level. I'm sure this was probably, when you were working with the WCHA, one of your biggest tasks is to how can I add St. Thomas or how can I add, how can we keep North Dakota? How can we, you know I mean, these are big, big issues for you as the WCHA. And I don't want to yep. just bypass that part of your career. What were some of the obstacles, some of the things that you saw as potential for the growth in the Western part? I think the Eastern's doing pretty well. They grow faster yeah. than we do. And, and all the good hockey's being played here in, in Minnesota. It's weird. Yeah, it's, um, it's funny. Um, you know, it, it, that was a huge part of my job as the WCHA commissioner is, is, is trying to add more teams and, and get more uh, teams in our league and, and that kind of thing. And shockingly, like Michigan, another hockey hotbed, not a single one Division One women's program there. And uh, certainly was, was working to, to try to try to solve that problem. And, uh, and, you know, the other, the other part um, that you just kind of touched on was the Eastern. There's, there's a new league that just formed a yeah. division One women's league um, with, you know, uh, a, a six or seven teams in that, that is just phenomenal to see the growth and to see more um, colleges adding that program or, or turning their club program into a division one uh, sport. So I, I think that's awesome. I'm, I am, I'd, I'd be remiss to say I'm scared um, that, you know, this whole COVID-19 thing may, uh, may really affect college athletics and, and certainly hockey. I, I'm, I'm hopeful that it doesn't, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a different world we're yeah. looking at. Whenever you start world. talking non-revenue, we're talking trouble, yeah. right? Yeah. So I'm, I am scared for that, but uh, I'm, I, I always remain hopeful. 
Yeah, uh, so am I. I'm very hopeful. Um, so let's get to the 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 process. I, I love calling it like, where does your in your role? What does the process start for selecting your national teams? Because I know there's a U18 team. I, we follow that one very very closely. Your your big series that you had uh, yep. back in Lake Placid, ironically enough, last summer. Um, yep. Is that an annual or is that an every other year uh, event? Where the the series but with Canada. With the U18s. Um, yeah, that's that's every year. Okay. Um, that U18 series in um, August. So just kind of a, to break it down a little yeah. bit. So yeah, we do like, um, we do a lot of evaluation camps. Well, I shouldn't say a lot. We could, I'd love to do more. But right. um, every August, um, we do what we call August Festival. And we do an evaluation camp. And that includes U18 kids and then over 18 kids, women. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then coming out of that evaluation camp, we do this USA Canada series with U18 team yep. and a U22 team. So, so it's kind of like your high school girls and your college girls, women, right? Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yep. And so, you know, that, that series is, is on our books every year for, for that, uh, those two teams. Um, and then, you know, obviously that U18 team that we choose, we, we look at them, we watch those kids, we watch them in their high school or, you know, whatever hockey they're playing throughout the fall and choose our final roster for that team to be in our U18 World Championships, um, which are typically after Christmas every year. Like yes, the they yep. won this year. The, the, the yeah. U18s won this year. Do the U22s play in, in, the, in the winter too? Or they they're actually can't because they're playing college hockey. Correct. So yeah, that's, um, unfortunately there, there, uh, there is no U 22 world championships. It's just a senior team world championships, which would have been this year in April in Nova Scotia, but right. that was one of the first events to get canceled with the whole coronavirus situation. So, um, yeah, unfortunately we didn't get a chance to defend the gold medal this year. Um, right. But, uh, yeah, so our next uh, gathering for our teams is uh, there's, um, there's still a U18 select camp on the books um, for July in St. Cloud, right. um, which we bring together 76 of the, you know, the best U18 uh, girls that we, we see out there and, uh, and then do an evaluation camp there and play lots of scrimmages and that kind of thing. And then that team then gets pared down to 30 for our August festival. Got it. So that's basically somewhat replaces the, your select camps that you had before, correct? Where you're the 15s and 16s and 17s. Yeah. So we still do a lot of, um, a lot of select camps. Um, this year, unfortunately, you know, got those got, uh, taken off the table. The U18 select one is still, uh, on the table, but, uh, and we remain hopeful that that will happen, but, if not, then we'll choose a roster for the August festival. Um, so it's, uh, again, a little bit of an odd year, not, not normal, but you know, we're, we're doing the best we can. Oh yeah. We could do an entire podcast on the effect, the COVID effect on all oh. of these. I mean, just, just, just the USA, you could do like a panel on it, like how, how it's thrown everything in completely out of whack. And now you get into the political angles where there's certain States that are allowing hockey to be played certain that are not. And it just, it's right. becoming a mess. Don't you think? Yeah. And, and, you know, 
putting my WCHA hat on, like just the whole college thing too. And if yeah. they're going to have in person and will athletes be able to train and start their season and what does a shortened season look like and can they even play? Yeah. It's, it's nutty. It is completely crazy. All right, so I got a couple more topics here, and this is an Olympic-related question. What is the selection process? I mean, I was I had uh, Natalie Darwitz on a show a few weeks ago, and she was walking through. The, she goes, well, the hardest thing that ever happened to me in sports was when Cami Granato got cut from the 06 team. I was like, you remember that? She's like, yeah, it was so hard for me because I, I looked up to her, and she, you know, and I, I kind of started digging as to why that would happen. You know, I dig around. Like, a little bit maybe was uh, her, she wasn't as fast as she used to be, blah, 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 all these different <laughs> things. I'm like, Wow. And then she kind of, I'm not sure if it was on the air or before, she goes, there's just a lot of issues that go through the selection process. And I'm like, well, oh. I think I'm going to get Katie Million on one of these days. <laughs> and the, the agony that you have to go through with the team and the committee that chooses the team, go through that, just what you're looking, if you're yeah. looking forward to it or not looking forward to it. Oh, it's the worst. Um, <laughs> Sorry. I mean, you, like, you, you know, you grow to, like, love these girls or these women like your own right yes to have to choose a team and tell somebody that they're not on that you know it's it's heartbreaking um yeah it's uh it's it's definitely the worst part of the job um and you know here's the thing is you you know all hockey players are competitive um they're not gonna give up um they they want to play as long as they possibly can yeah Um, and and you know in the selection process, you, you have, you have people that, you know, you, you only have 23 spots and, you know, you have a hundred that want to take those 23. So not everybody's going to get that opportunity. Um, and, and it's, it's really hard. And like, like Natalie was saying with, with Cami or with anybody who, who doesn't get selected for that next roster, it's heartbreaking and you know it's 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 a really hard thing to tell somebody that they're not going to be on that team again um and and you hope that an athlete or you know in any sport can make that decision on their own right but sometimes you know not making a roster makes it for them um, she so, even yeah. she even went as far as saying a lot of it was there was territory. It was very territorial. Like, oh yeah, if you got an East Coast coach, he's going to take East Coast kids kind of thing. Oh, yeah. she, you know what I mean? That it was like, wow, did you just say that? I'm like, it's always been somewhat hinted, but you know, if if you have a Midwest coach, he's going to take he or she's going to take Midwest players kind of thing. Sure. You yeah. know, how do you balance that, and how do you manage that? in the yeah. on the PR stream you know because there is a even with women's hockey there's a there's a PR stream of people that are, really care oh for sure I mean and and you know I, I think I'm in a unique position because I am an east coast girl but mm-hmm. in, in, live in, here in the midwest yeah so, so I uh, I get to I get to love it all um and and to be honest with you it, you know I don't look at it as a east west thing or an um an age thing. I, I just want the best players. I don't care, you know, who they are. I just want the best and to give us the best opportunity to win a gold medal. 
and and there's a lot of a lot more visibility to the team. I mean, consider especially with the Olympics of 14 and 18 that have been so dramatic and that have really you know they captured a lot more people than just your normal sports fan. I mean, your normal sports fan watched 14 and they watched 18, whether they admit it or not. That's some of the best drama in sports, right? And now well, you have it. Like, how do you top that in 2022? Well, it, it really, it's going to be hard. It's going to be exciting. And, and, you know, as you know, every year, the, the skill level, the competition, everything just gets better and better and better. And, you know, I always tell people all the time, if you haven't seen high school girls, D1 college, even our national teams, if you have not seen those women play in the last five years, get yourself to a rink and watch it because it's unbelievable. Um, and, and it's only going to continue to get better. You don't have to sell me, Katie. I'm <laughs> the biggest fan of this. I love it. It's, and the growth of it is just spectacular. I mean, I always joke of, you know, we, we were the same age. So I always joke like when I watched high school hockey in the late 70s with Neil Broughton and those guys playing, you know, youth hockey, then then high school hockey, then the Gophers, and then the, onto the Olympic team, it was like a golden era of American hockey. Well, guess what? I think we're in that American, golden era of American hockey for women right now you know you kind of have your pioneers like natalie and chrissy and and karen by and some of those locals that we that we look up to here but i think someday we're going to look back at at this era as the one that you're involved in with the 14 18 (laughs) and 22 team as the golden era of of women's hockey yeah um you know they're already for sure superstars out there and uh i i i can't wait to see what some of these women do beyond their hockey careers because they're just pioneers role models um it's it's just awesome it's been fun to get to know these women on a on a one-on-one basis too because they're just so passionate i mean not only just amazing hockey players and certainly you know crazy competitive but just amazing people and what they do for their communities and volunteer work and foundations and it's it's pretty awesome all right one last topic and this is one that's near and dear to your heart uh, this is the the 1980 olympic what would you call your role here because this is phenomenal I, I, my jaw dropped when you told me this you run the you run the 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 what would you call the camp the, the 1980 um, experience yeah. So, no, it's uh, the Miracle on Ice Fantasy Camp. Okay. <laughs> that simple. Miracle so, on Ice uh, Fantasy Camp. Yeah. So, <clears throat> with all my time in Lake Placid and, and spending a, a lot of time in the rink, my office was actually um, at the rink. So, um, got to got to meet a lot of the, the 1980 players along the way, and we'd bring them in for di- different events and uh you know, I, I can't even remember when it was, but uh, at one point they were like, hey, Katie, w- would you um, would you think about managing our team? And I'm like, huh? Wait, wait what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a little side hustle I got going is uh, working with the 1980 team. I love it. That's a great, I mean, I love, I know side hustle is more for musicians and caddies and things like that, but this is the best side hustle job. This is my dream side hustle job is to run the 80 Olympic team and be, be around those guys. And you've talked to me that it's, it's the, what you learn by putting out these tweets and what you learn about managing these camps is it's, it's once a, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. 
Yeah, it really is. And, and, you know, those guys, what they did was phenomenal, but even more so much like the women that I just talked about, just phenomenal people. Um, just the most down to earth, awesome guys you'll ever want to meet. And, uh, it's really just so awesome being able to represent them and help them. And, you know, again, as we talked about, uh, working their fantasy camp back in Lake Placid, uh, this year, it actually, the fantasy camp would have been last week, Yes. Um, this year it's postponed now till, uh, end of, end of summer. And we're again, remaining hopeful that that can happen, but, uh, working with them on the camp and, and some of their appearances and being with them in Vegas for their 40th anniversary in February. I mean, it's just, uh, again, another surreal moment for me. It's uh, pretty, pretty awesome to, to work with those guys. So explain to you, explain to our audience when you run this uh, Twitter feed, it's basically up to you, right? Like if you don't tweet nothing, are you the only one that's tweeting on this account and walk through what you're trying to do with the account? <laughs> so this year, if, if, if you didn't know, hopefully all of our hockey fans out there already knew this, but it's the 40th anniversary of the, the 1980 team. Yep. So 40 years ago on February 22nd, 1980, they beat the Russians. And um, so my job just to keep their legacy alive is to run their social media accounts. And um, yeah, so on the um, leading up from last August through um, February and a little bit beyond that, um, did a on this day uh, post. OTD. OTD. Oh, I love OTD. Bring me more. Don't stop tweeting. I love those such great memories, you know. <laughs> It really was, and you know, I did a um, a lot of research and just uh, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, research on newspapers.com and like just things that happened on that day. And I, I have to also give a huge shout out to uh, Vintage Minnesota Hockey yep, because they Kyle. have an unbelievable resource there that um, you know that helped me. Okay, on this day they played X Y Z, and you know here they played uh, the World Lakers, Lakers, right? Yeah, exactly. So um, a combination of that and a lot of research and a lot of uh, old pictures and that kind of thing. But, you know, as we were talking about, Tony, I, I learned a lot um, just doing all that research, um, things that I didn't know or and, and, and I would talk to the guys, too, about things that they remember on that, you know, lead up to the Olympic Games in Lake Placid and and what memories stand out for them and uh it was really a lot of fun to, to, to put that together and, and learn some new stuff and, and, and it just kind of relive that path that they took um, to uh, Lake Placid. It was, it was pretty cool. When you told me, it was almost like you told me about the Tooth Fairy. You know, it was like, wait, I didn't know who was doing this. Because it almost seems like when you say we, it's almost like Rob McClanahan is hitting tweet or, you know what I mean? Or Neil Broughton's hitting tweet or Eric Strobel's hitting tweet. I'm like, it's almost first person. It was so well done. I'm like, I admire you for that. just, if anything else, I admire you for what you've done with that account and with that camp because it fascinates me. Well, thank you. And it, and it, no, it was really a lot of fun because it, it did, it did take me to coordinate with those guys. And so, you know, I, I talked to Neil, Neil, what, what happened when you beat up Wayne Gretzky, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> tell that, me more about this. That was a JFK moment for me. I was like, where were you when 
Bratton and Gretzky drop gloves. I was like, it was great. That's so funny. You should say that. That's one of the great moments in our state's history. You know, it truly is. So yeah, it was, it was definitely a lot of fun. And it, and again, it's, it's fun just uh, keeping their legacy alive and, and, you know, everything that happened because of 1980 and the growth of hockey. And uh, again, we, we talked about it, but those, those 20 guys have no idea the impact. And, um, I certainly enjoy trying to, trying to convince them and also keep that going. So, so people can, can, uh, relate to it. Where can someone find more information on the, the miracle on ice, uh, fantasy camp? How do they get yeah. to that? You know? Yep. So we, we do a lot of, uh, 1980 miracle hockey team is our social media platforms. Okay. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, uh, we do have a, a website to, uh, again, 1980 miracle hockey team. Uh-huh. Um, all, almost all of those will have some sort of reference to the, the fantasy camp. Um, but there is a miracle on ice fantasy uh, page as well. And that's run by my former employer, uh, the Olympic regional development authority back in Lake Placid. And, uh, yeah, so we're, we're excited to hold the sixth annual camp coming up, um, in, uh, August 31st. And how much does it cost for someone to go to the camp and what do they get? Yeah. So it's, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Um, so it is, it, the price tag will sound expensive, but when you break it down, it's not. Um, so it's $6,000 basically, I think it might be 6,500. I can't remember. We have different cutoffs, Yep. but, um, basically you get yourself to Albany, uh, New York airport and you basically can put away your wallet. Um, you get on the bus, you go to Lake Placid. We put you in a beautiful hotel, feed you, um, lots of unlimited beverages, um, snacks. Ice time, uh, gear package, um, lots of different ceremonies that we have along the way. But more importantly, is that that the uh, the 1980 players that do attend, and, and the number varies by year, but usually around 15 of them will will be in attendance. Those guys are immersed with you as a camper. You will have breakfast with Mike Ruzioni and uh, be up all night till the hospitality suite closes with uh, Ken Morrow. Um, it's just unbelievable in that, you know, you're just completely immersed with these guys and a number of them will coach teams. Yep. Um, we have four teams that participate and then there's a draft. It's, it's unbelievable. Um, the, some of the guys will coach, but uh, many of them will, will we'll suit play. up and play. So, you know, Mark Johnson, John Harrington, Dave Christian. Um, Who wants to go in the corners with John Harrington? You see how good a shape that guy's in? (laughs) Sickening, isn't it? (laughs) He's a workout fanatic, so. (laughs) He's insane. I'm not going in the corners with that guy. No way. Some of those guys, I'll take Dave Christian, but not Bob Harrington. No chance. super. Super competitive. Talk about competitive. Yes. Oh well, yeah. You were you were his cohort when he was at Mankato. So you know him really well. Oh yeah, yeah. So in my role, what a small world, right? John Harrington and Mark Johnson were two of my coaches. Yes. So yeah. (laughs) It never even dawned on me how lucky you are. You've had a really fun ride in hockey. Yeah, it's um, you know, it's. 
if you'd have told me when I was 18 that here I'd be on um, working with the, the 1980 team and the U.S. women's Olympic team, I would have told you you were crazy. Um, but I couldn't be happier. It's funny. I had this uh, very similar call a week or so ago with Dave Fisher from from USA Hockey, and, I, and he his his athletic career got cut short by asthma. His parents and doctors say you can't do it. I go, did you ever think when you we're told when you're 12 or 13 that you'd make the Olympic team. And he just looked at me like, you're crazy. No, not in a million years, right? Right. Yeah, it's crazy the, the path that you take and how, you know, now that I'm a little older and, and can see some of the dots and start connecting the dots, it's really crazy how it comes full circle. It really does. Uh, last question. These are, this is a fun one. Um, uh, there's going to be a lot of women, young women listening to the show, uh, getting involved into the sports industry. And you've been in the sports industry for a few decades now. What mm-hmm. kind of advice would you give to that young women, not the young men, but the young women getting involved yeah. in, in, in the sports industry? Yeah, I would say, you know, work hard, number one because people notice that. And number two, don't ever let anyone tell you you can't do something. Um, You set your mind to it, you can do it. And three, follow your passion. I mean, that's something I really took seriously that my entire um, career path is I I couldn't, I couldn't be somebody who would be happy working um, in selling insurance. You know, it's just just not... (laughs) part of my makeup every every um, path I took had something to do with sport because that was my passion and you know I I think in the end it really paid off um that coupled with the the, with the work hard and work ethic and uh showing that you're willing to do whatever it takes to get the job done but uh those those are my real pieces of advice for anyone whether you're an athlete or you want to be in sport and whether you want to be a broadcaster or an official or a coach or, you know, whatever it is, those are, those are three key things to, uh, to, 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 to concentrate on. And I think this is, I'll, I'll take it a, a half a step further. And that is, I think part of that means you're going to take a little bit less money. You're not going to be driving the nicer car. Oh. You, might, you know what I'm saying? You follow, I'm not saying you're, sure, you're poor, sure. but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you might be the assistant coach in Albany for a couple of years. Well, you don't make any money. Then like, well, guess what? Then you become the head, you know, assistant head coach. You know what I mean? There's a, there's a path there that there's no money there sometimes. Oh, for sure. I mean, if I told you what I made my first job in Lake Placid, you'd, you'd laugh. Right. Um, and, and, you know, you, you work weekends and holidays and nights and you do what it takes, but you do it because you love it. Well, you summed it up there. You obviously have done what you loved and, 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 the, and the, the money has followed. I'm not saying you're getting rich, but that's what I, that's been my advice. <laughs> definitely, do what you love. You know what I mean? But like, that's always been my advice. Do what you love. The money will take care of itself. And I didn't say the money and you're going to rein it in, but it's, it's definitely, that's been the advice that I've given to people. And that's you basically, you've said the same words. And Tony, I'll tell you another thing. Money can't buy you happiness. So you gotta, you gotta be happy. Yeah. Well, you sound very happy and I'm very happy for you and, and all the success that you've had. And I appreciate you coming on today's show. Oh, it's been a blast. So I, I appreciate you having me and uh, love talking about all the different hockey things.
As part of today's show, Katie will get a gift from the Minnesotans sent to her. Uh, thanks to the Minnesotan again for their sponsorship of today's show. Make sure to stop in and check it out. My good friend John King says it's the best store in the world. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope to see you around the rink soon.